Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. The American dream includes owning a home, but with home ownership comes maintenance costs and rising property taxes, not to mention a monthly mortgage payment. But it's all worth it, right? Because you have a roof over your head. And that equity you're building each day will help you as you get older and look to retire. That scenario isn't playing out for hundreds of families in northeastern Connecticut. Those families live in homes with foundations that are cracking. And their property insurance won't pay for the costly repairs to fix the structural problem, making their homes now worthless. Today, where we live, we look at what's causing these homes to crumble beneath them and whether these Connecticut residents are getting the kind of help they need. And we ask how wide-ranging is this issue? Could hundreds more residents be living in homes that have faulty foundations? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Have you noticed your home's foundation cracking? Are you afraid to come forward, wary of how your insurance company could alter your coverage? We want to hear from you. Again, 860-275-7266. You can comment on our website, wmpr.org, slash where we live. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. In studio with me today is Jim Williams. He's one of the homeowners in Connecticut who's dealing with this issue. Jim, you live in Tolland. Uh, welcome to where we live. Thank you. Tell us about your, you and your family. When did you first buy your home, and how long have you lived there? Uh, we've been in our house uh, 13 years. We bought our house in 2003. It was, um, it was our, our dream home. We, we, we bought a starter home in Vernon. We lived there for 10 years. Um, built up some equity in the home when we sold it. We were able to put down a pretty decent down payment. Uh, working in the private sector as a, in a at an architectural firm, we didn't have much of a retirement plan, so the house was going to be uh, the third leg of my retirement with a 401k savings and, and equity. You said it was your dream home. What about this uh, property um, led you and your wife to buy it? Um, <laughs> one of the... Uh, our house is um, on a real wooded country road. Um, what we like, you know, till t- this day, um, we're surrounded uh, by a sportsman's club. Across the street, um, maybe a quarter mile away, is uh, open space. Uh, there's a Joshua Trust Land and a conservation area across the street where we could walk. Uh, we still do. Um, and, and just the wooded, beautiful windy, hilly road that we come up is uh, almost uh, uh, too beautiful to speak of. I mean, it's beautiful. And you raised your children there? We did, yes. My son was in uh, uh, three or four years old when we went in. My daughter was just, I believe, in third grade. Uh, Tolland had um, just built a brand-new high school. And when we were looking, uh, that was one of the criteria uh, that Marianne, my wife, and me were looking for. Uh, a place that when they went in to get educated through their uh, through their high school years, they'd have a brand new school to uh, to do it in with technology and things of that nature. So it sounds like the perfect place for you and your family. When did you um, first notice that there were issues with the home's foundation? The um, the, the the when I first noticed it, it was probably 
February of this year. Um, uh, whether I saw the cracks or not, I don't remember. I don't recall seeing them. If I did, I didn't really give them uh, too much mind. I see uh, in my, my work, I see cracks in concrete all the time. Uh, some, some are natural and, uh, from uh, the curing process building, settling, and whatnot. So I didn't really take too mind of it. But uh, after the um, WVIT, I guess it's Channel 30, had a, uh, a segment on it, I guess I, I saw it. I noticed it. I saw the telltale uh, damage that separates it from other things. And uh, so February of this year. You reference NBC 30, whose investigation, uh, I guess more than a year ago, first uncovered that there were uh, more than just one or two homeowners that were dealing with uh, crumbling foundations. So you said you um, saw the telltale signs. What exactly, how does it look, your foundation? Um, you know, I'm not a structural engineer, but I can, what, what, what I've been told and what I've known uh, in, as a layman in some things is that uh, concrete, most, most of the time you'll see cracks in concrete go vertically. They start, uh, you know, at the top and, and work their way down. Um, the 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 crack that we had was horizontal. Um, when I saw the the uh, the segment and and I and I noticed it, I I, I knew someone uh, that I worked with who who poured concrete, and I just uh, and a whim asked him about the crack, and he asked me, "Is the crack going vertical or is it going horizontal?" Um, the first crack that I noticed was was going. Um, horizontal, mm-hmm. and uh, under further investigation, as uh, the months have gone by, I've I've, I've noticed more and more. Um, whether you know how long they were there, I don't know. I never really noticed them before, but it's like a spider crack almost. Huh? Mm-hmm. And what does this mean for your home? And so, is it unsafe to live in now? And uh, when did you first contact your insurance company about it? N- no, I don't believe that it's uh, unsafe. Uh, I don't believe that it's unsafe to. Um, uh, live in it right now. I mean, if you think of stone foundations, they they uh, they tend to uh, have cracks and crumblings and things of that nature. But uh, the uh, the 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 progression of this is is like a cancer in the concrete. It's going to eat away. It's going to keep going. It's going to get worse. And and as you see, different levels of uh, the mineral that's in there that's causing it. Um, different people that I've spoke to, being active with the uh, the basement. Um, wall the crumbling basement wall coalition it's uh, it's been uh, we've we've seen some pretty pretty horrible stories the bigger issue though is if um it's a structural problem and so if you wanted to sell your house this would be something that needed to be repaired yes and it costs how much um through the through um some of what we heard um upwards of uh, $200,000 so most people don't have that kind of money i don't have that type of money what did your insurance company tell you? Um, we um, we're we're getting quite a bit of conflicting stories about what they will and what they will not do. Should we speak to an attorney? Should we not speak to an attorney? And we haven't uh, we haven't told our insurance company as of yet. Are you afraid of uh, being dropped for coverage? I know I've I've read um, excerpts from people that they've come forward and they've lost their insurance. And I think the state has now come in and said that insurance companies can't do that, can't drop their policy. But tell tell us what are, why are you um, um, hesitant to contact them? I don't know where the uh, one of the things that uh, it, it seems like a um, the only 
avenues that we see people have as a lawsuit. Um, you know, I think like many families who are um, in the middle class, living from week to week and paycheck to paycheck, I would say it's you know it's not a it's not a, a dire situation, but it's 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 I, I don't have the money to, to to fight this. I mean, this is the these are the Goliaths. They they um, what we have heard from people is. The insurance companies like to litigate, litigate, and litigate. And with their unlimited resources of uh, lawyers and specialists and everyone else, it seems very difficult for my wife, my kids, my dog, my cat, and me is uh, facing an upward battle fighting it. So I, I, I don't know, um, not to mention the stress that this puts on my life, um, the stress that it has on me. You know, there's, there's a certain amount that becomes your full-time job. I mean, it really does. And, you know, unfortunately, working two jobs, it's, it's tough to find a time to, to try to do this. I'm talking with Jim Williams. He's a homeowner from Tallinn, Connecticut. He's one of, of hundreds of homeowners um, who are um, are worried because they see their foundations and their homes crumbling beneath them. Uh, you mentioned that there's a mineral um, that's causing um, the damage, and I think the state has found uh, a particular quarry where this mineral pyrotite um, when it's the, when the um, aggregate is taken from the quarry and mixed to make cement, that mineral then oxidizes um, in the foundation and causes these these uh, these cracks. Is that right? Yeah, I believe it's periorite. It could be periorite. Periorite. Um, what happens is, uh, in the presence of uh, of moisture and oxygen, it does it does uh, it oxidizes. It creates, a, from what I've read, a gas uh, that. Uh, that eats away at the plaster, the cement um, expands, and uh, and it will continually to do to make more cracks. Obviously, when you have one crack, air, moisture, humidity, piled up snow on your foundation, um, it's going to be a, a problem. Yeah. Um, if you're like Jim Williams and you have come forward or experiencing crumbling foundations, we want to hear from you. The number eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. You can email us. Uh, double, at where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're actually going to hear from st- some state officials who have been trying to help the situation to find out how these homeowners are being affected. This is where we live. where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanschel. We're talking about a problem that has impacted hundreds of homeowners in northeastern Connecticut so far. Their homes are crumbling beneath them. The foundations are cracking. Studies say a naturally occurring mineral has been found in that concrete. That mineral oxidizes over time, and that causes the foundations to swell and crack. Since an investigation from NBC30 last year, more residents have stepped forward asking the state for help. Jim Williams is one of them. He's a homeowner from Tolland who noticed his foundation cracking. And we wanted to find out um, how the state's helping him and others. Joining us now in studio to answer that question is Jonathan Harris, Commissioner of the State Department of Consumer Protection. Commissioner Harris, welcome to Where We Live. Thank you, Lizzie. Good morning to you, your listeners, and and Jim. So how did your office get involved? I was called uh, last July, actually July 27th, by the governor and asked to go out and take a look at a foundation uh, that was uh, deteriorating in East Hartford, and I was, uh, you know, horrified by what I saw. Being able to actually stick my my then uh, Sperry <laughs> in the corner of the uh, foundation, and uh, reported back to the governor, and he immediately said, "We got to get on top of this. 
uh, he uh, ordered me uh, and uh, to talk to our attorneys at the Attorney General's office, uh, George Jepson, and commence an investigation. And since then, it has been a priority of uh, the department, of uh, the governor's office. As a matter of fact, the governor appointed Lieutenant Governor Wyman to oversee and lead uh, the all of the efforts on this. And um, we uh, immediately put together a dedicated team within the department, uh, including uh, an investigator, a former police officer, uh, our director of our trades division, Rick Maloney, uh, an attorney that was dedicated to it, um, communications people, and literally on a, on a daily basis, uh, we've been conducting this very thorough, deliberate, but really complex investigation. But it's a priority. I mean, you heard what Jim had to say, and I know as a homeowner, my home is my biggest asset. It's where my wife and I are raising our, our son, and it's a really horrible situation. And, and through all of the work and going out and talking to homeowners uh, at times on a daily basis, but definitely uh, every week, uh, I've made a lot of friends, and it's something that uh, we're going to continue to do a deliberate, thorough investigation and job on to uh, learn as much as we can uh, to help both the public and the private sector develop some resources to help homeowners. Um, you said you've, the state's been investigating since last summer. I know recently there was an announcement um, from your office, also the state attorney general, that under the consumer protection laws in Connecticut, the state would not be able uh, to file a claim against the companies that poured this foundation um, from the 1980s up until uh, recently. Can you explain to our listeners um, you know, why there could not be a claim filed? Yeah. The basis of um, my authority as the commissioner is under the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act. So that is the reason that we engaged Attorney General Jepson and his really qualified, hardworking staff to take a look at this with us and, and on our side, our team investigating as the client here. And uh, we've communicated from the beginning that to make a claim under CUTPA, which is the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practice Act, it's, it's extremely difficult, uh, no matter what the context. And of course, this is a very complex uh, investigation involving a lot of science, involving uh, decades' worth of information, of documents. Uh, we've done everything that we could as far as we've talked to three to 500 people just in informal interviews. We've had dozens of interviews and depositions, uh, subpoenaed uh, tens of thousands of documents uh, that were reviewed. Uh, there's been an expert that was retained uh, at the University of Connecticut, a, a world-renowned expert in concrete. And uh, we've continue to develop the facts, but it's just an extremely hard case to make. We'd always communicated that, and even if we could make it, which was we knew unlikely, it was really going to be tough to be able to, to actually recover a meaningful amount of money, even if we could assert a claim to help homeowners. But thankfully, there's another path. Um, we also knew and have been saying and communicating to the public that we're hoping that by continuing this investigation, and we said all the way through, that we would be able to develop facts on the scope, the causation, that would help policymakers, both in the public and the private sector, to be able to uh, come up with ideas, resources, a menu that homeowners could use to help um, give them some recovery, even though we never thought it could be 100 cents on the dollar, but something to help them. 
This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about the problem of crumbly fa- crumbling foundations. Uh, hundreds of families in uh, eastern and northeastern Connecticut are, are facing this problem. And we wanted to go now to a call. Uh, Sheila from Tolland, you're calling from, uh, you're calling Where We Live uh, today. How are you doing, Sheila? I'm fine. So tell us, uh, um, are you dealing with this problem? Yes, I am. I have it. Um, we had replaced our front foundation in 2005, not knowing what the problem was. And um, our foundation now is crumbling at the rest of our house, and including that front foundation, because J.J. Modest did pour that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know where to go. <laughs> we, have, we have no idea. This is devastating to us. We have a quote for our house for $243,610. And we need to know what to do. All right, Sheila, I appreciate your call. Your phone is cutting in and out, um, but I think we did hear the gist of what you were saying. Um, she's quoted Commissioner Harris that to fix her crumbling foundation, uh, you know, about $243,000. Um, this is obviously very concerning for people who don't have that kind of money. They do have insurance policies. What's being done to protect these residents from um, their insurance companies, who I think as of now are saying that, they don't, that they're not going to cover that. Is that right? And what's the reason behind it? Well, there have been lawsuits brought where settlements were made with uh, homeowners by insurance companies. So the insurance companies, at times, there have been dollars given to help homeowners. Um, Basically, well, you had reported earlier that Commissioner Wade had issued a directive first that homeowners could not lose their coverage, uh, be denied renewal because of this condition being present. Uh, There's been pressure being put on insurance companies, and I'll tell you, they have come to the table, many of them, to talk and uh, there are some really solid settlement discussions going on to try to get a, uh, a, you know, a large chunk of funding in to help homeowners in the short run. So as far as the insurance companies go, that is going on. Of course, there's some lawsuits now, class action and some other lawsuits that are going uh, that hopefully will yield some results for people. Uh, what we're trying to do, again, is to develop the facts as thoroughly and as deliberately as possible so that not only insurance but there could be other sources, whether it's tax credits or other sources of funds, uh, lower-cost services by bulk purchases, different resources, kind of a menu that both not just the state government or local government, but the private sector in partnership can create that homeowners that have different situations, they might have different uh, conditions in their house where it is in the process of deterioration, they might be at a different stage in their financial life, and that they can draw down on some of these resources to help make themselves whole. So uh, I know, I mean, Sheila, I, I, you know, I've had this discussion with people a lot, and you know, I can't, you know, I'm sorry, I can't say much more about how horrible I know it, it has to be. Um, but I can tell you one thing: that not only the Department of Consumer Protection, but the Governor's Office, Lieutenant Governor, who not only is assigned big projects, but she's also a neighbor. She's one of Jim's neighbors in Talent. So she's there you know, at, at ground zero, if you will. And uh, so this is a priority of the state government. We have worked with the local governments consistently. We've met consistently, or I think are meeting this week again, with legislators. So uh, this is an all-hands-on-deck collective effort, public and private, to develop solutions as quickly as possible, understanding also that this is not something that's going to probably go away right away. This could be a problem that unfolds over the next decade or so, or maybe more. And we need to be able to sustain it, too. 
You mentioned uh, Jim. Jim Williams is in studio with us, and uh, he lives in Tallinn. He's dealing with a crumbling foundation. You're sitting here um, next to Commissioner Harris. Uh, he's talking about how the state's trying to help you and others. I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel that the state's doing its job? Well, I'd like to correct you. It's a basement wall. It's not a foundation. It's a basement wall. Um, this is language that uh, the insurance companies are using to try to limit what we have, what we have to, um, um, to try to use their language to try to get out of um, paying for these, these particular foundations. This is what we're up against. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, um, this is a plague. This is a plague that's starting. This is a, you know, we're watching the first cases. You're watching. Sure, it's been around for a few years, isolated here, isolated there. This is what you hear about. This is what you what you think about. You hear about these cases, but it doesn't hit home. And then all of a sudden, the, the pandemic starts. It starts, and it starts with one, and it starts with 10, and then it starts with 100. Okay? And, and you look at some of the numbers that have been tossed around is that um, the J.J. Modis company poured upwards two of 20,000 foundations in this area for residential. I mean, if you looked at, at half of them, it's 10. If I had to make a an, an, a guess, I would say there's probably 7,000 homes with this problem. There is, it's going to be economically devastating for the towns that have that. It's going and, 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 and to sit here and face it and to sit here and look at it, it just, it's, it's too big for me to even fathom. The fix is too big for me to even fathom. If someone came in tomorrow, someone who heard my voice and said they would pay for have my foundation fixed, you understand that they're going to dig a hole around your house. They're going to lift your house three feet in the air. They're going to take the basement walls off of your house, disconnect your your plumbing, disconnect your heating, disconnect your electrical, disconnect your, your sewage, lift it up, put it back down. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I, I, the stress that it would put on your pets, your family, your, the people that live there, the neighbors, it's extraordinary. So, yeah, I, oh, but, uh, Commissioner Harris? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim's exactly right. Everything he says is correct. And uh, that's why, you know, from what I, what I can do is, again, to continue to deliberately and thoroughly conduct this investigation to get to all of the facts. And, and scope is a big problem, uh, you know, a big question. Uh, that we have, and it's, it's big. We know it's big, but how big and how you design you know, a, a program, resources, again, not just the public sector, the private sector, people working together to come up with a way to address those problems that Jim has, that Sheila has, that others have in the short run, but also be able to help those as they come on board. And I think Jim hit it on the head. One of the big things here that I've found, and, and I feel it because in, in talking to people, returning calls and and reaching out to people on a daily basis, going out and talking to the community, uh, is that there is this really huge psychological burden. So you're not only talking about a repair or, or replacement of foundation. You're talking, as Jim said, about relocation costs. Mm-hmm. I think there's issues, you know, psychological issues that people have. How are we going to help people uh, deal with those? I mean, maybe a, a PTSD type of, uh, of issue. So there's a huge range of issues, a complex set of facts. That's why going... Uh, deliberately, thoroughly to figure it out so that we do the right thing. You you really only have one chance to get this right, and we need to do it right. We're working hard to do that. We're getting a tweet from Ben who says he's currently shopping for homes in affected areas, I guess uh, eastern and northeastern Connecticut. He says he's avoiding homes built after 1980 for peace of mind. I have a house for sale. 
just because it's not presented. I mean, that, but that, is a, that is an issue, too. I mean, mm-hmm. the effect on the real estate market and, and what that does as, as we're working hard to, to you know, dig out of the Great Recession. Uh, and we've had a lot of traction, a lot of jobs created in the private sector. But, you know, that's also something. So, again, this is, has to be a very holistic view, and that's why continuing this investigation deliberately, thoroughly to get to the facts is the thing that, that I am focused on to make sure that people have the same plate of information that's accurate to be able to help each other. I want to take a call now uh, from Tim Heim. Uh, he's a, a homeowner from Willington, also president of the Connecticut Coalition Against Crumbling Basements. Tim, thanks for holding on the line. You're on Where We Live. Hi, good morning. So you've been dealing with, dealing with this personally, and you've been helping other families affected. What can you tell us about what homeowners are hearing from the state, their insurance companies? Well, I mean, I mean, currently what uh, the homeowners are hearing from the state is absolutely nothing. And, you know, uh, I, I do give kudos to Commissioner Harris and the DCP because I know he is working extremely hard. Uh, I do challenge some of the statements with our elected officials. Uh, you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor Nancy Wyman, it took her six months before she came to my house and, and uh, saw a, a crumbling basement firsthand. Uh, she made a comment back in February at my meeting in Tallinn that she wasn't going to drop the ball. Her and the state weren't going to drop the ball again. Um, and and we have not heard from her or seen from her since. Uh, she lives in Tallinn, which is uh, one of the towns that is uh, highly affected. Um, you know, our, our, our elected officials will say to you that they're working very hard, but if you ask them what they have or are doing to come up with a financial resolution for the victims, they can't answer that question. And, and a year later, uh, you know, people are losing their homes to foreclosure because they can't afford a rent. Uh, there's a woman's home in Stafford that was deemed unsafe to live in. Um, you know, she, she can no longer live in her home because of this problem, so now she's got to pay a rent and can't afford to pay a mortgage and also a rent so her home's going into foreclosure you know that those are you know we're the middle class we pay for everything in connecticut and the way we're being treated by our state um is unacceptable uh governor malloy has yet to see this problem firsthand uh the state of connecticut ignored this back in 2002 when uh senator blumenthal was the attorney general they in doing so they allowed this problem to continue for 14 years um, Tim, so. I just wanted to um, ask you, so Commissioner Harris is um, here, also legislator. Uh, Representative Bill Amen is also on the phone. So I wanted to yeah. just, uh, before I head to uh, Representative Amen, uh, Commissioner Harris, uh, Tim mentioned that this is something back in 2002 that some owners have approached the state about. Can you talk about that at all, the timeline of when the state uh, heard this was, going, this was a problem? Yeah, that was <laughs> well before I was around, but there, there's... There was a meeting that occurred in, in 2002, and over the course of the next decade, uh, the department received about eight complaints out of probably close to 100,000 complaints that we received just in general at that time. Uh, and so there was something that was done back then, but I look forward. Hey, I've been involved in this since July 27th. Tim has been, uh, you know, I, well, Tim, first of all, I, you know, I, I, as you know, completely understand uh the frustration you have and what you're feeling and, and what your friends, family members, and neighbors are feeling. But, uh, you know, we've been, have been really working on this. I'm looking forward to doing this investigation deliberately and thoroughly, and, and thank you for your uh, kind words, Tim. 
uh, Tim and I had a, a point where we were texting each other, uh, you know, sometimes three in the morning and mm-hmm. communicating on this issue. And uh, I know he's, he's, he's trying to drive it forward and under extremely difficult conditions. But, you know, the lieutenant governor did go out to Tim's house as, as with others and I think stayed there for a couple of hours. She's been driving this. All the meetings that we've had uh, with elected officials, with the legislature, uh, with with other state agencies. We have another one uh, coming up uh, this week. She has been really driving that process. Uh, maybe it's not visible enough. I mean, I, I can understand that. Uh, we are, you know, putting pressure on the, the state has been putting a pressure on, uh, but also working with the, the, the insurance companies that really want to help be part of the solution, not the whole thing, but part of the solution. And uh, so that is something else that uh, we've communicated that's going on. So there are a lot of efforts, but again, I totally understand uh, the way that uh, Tim feels. And a bill was passed that you can talk to Representative Abin, bipartisan, by the way. You know, quite a contrast to what we're what we're hearing on the national level. And you reference Representative Amen. He's been very patient with us uh, on hold. Representative Amen, you're on where we live. What can you tell us about how you're helping uh, your constituents in South Windsor? Uh, good morning. Yes, um, I think the part that's frustrating as a state representative to deal with this is legislatively <coughs> we're, we're limited to going forward and coming back to someone like Tim and saying this is what. Uh, we can do legislatively, legally, is very difficult. Uh, we tried to have a bill that would uh, force the insurance companies to uh, pay for the damage, and it became very clear that uh, that type of legislation uh, would not work and probably would not be held up in, in court going forward. So we did uh, pass some things going forward uh, that we we're allowed to do. One of the other problems legislatively that we've run into is other than northeastern Connecticut, very little awareness of the problem. Uh, when I gave the presentation on the floor of the House as to what uh, the bill did and why it was so important and went through some of the horror stories that we've all heard, uh, after, the, after the vote, uh, I had uh, numerous representatives from around the state come up to me and, and say, Bill, never heard of the problem before. Uh, I never realized it was such a big deal. So that was part of the job of the legislature to educate uh, the, the other legislators about the uh, problem itself. Representative Amon, so what does this law that just passed, um, what does that do to help uh, homeowners moving forward? It does uh uh, moving forward, uh, not to the current owners, but it will give a record when someone receives the certificate of occupancy uh, as to where concrete came from and where it was placed. Uh, one of the problems we're currently facing is we don't know what foundations motos uh, poured. Uh, it also has a section that allows a homeowner that has a defective foundation to uh, go into the assessor and have their property taxes uh, reduced to the current market value after the house uh, needs repairs. So that can be a high, uh, very, very substantial drop in someone's uh, property taxes. Uh, we also address the problem that has been discussed regularly of people coming to consumer protection or any other agency and saying what their problem is because it now becomes a public record and the myths of, oh, the insurance companies get a copy of this or someone else does, it could be used against us in a future lawsuit. So what we did was uh, limited 
the uh, Consumer Protection Agency any information they receive from the public or any information they receive uh, from other executive branch agencies would be exempt uh, from the Freedom of Information uh, Commission request for seven years. Uh, so hopefully in seven years this problem will be thoroughly discussed. We also said in seven years, if it still has to be kept confidential, people are concerned, we can always extend it. So those are some of the, the main provisions of the, mm -hmm. the bill and how it affects people. I wanted to go back to Tim Heim, a homeowner from Willington, also president of the Connecticut Coalition Against Crumbling Basements. Um, Tim, you're hearing from Representative Amen about a law that was passed to help homeowners going forward, but for the current homeowners like yourself that are dealing with this issue, what do you need to see happen to help you and others? Well, we need financial resolution. You know, uh, speaking about the bill that uh, Representative Amon mentioned, you know, uh, to get your taxes uh, reassessed, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. If you go to your town and, you know, you start paying taxes on just the land, um, you know, eventually what's going to happen is the towns are going to have to raise the mill rate to offset that loss. So, you know, it's, it's a big circle. It's a vicious, vicious circle. And... Um, you know, the, the homeowners need help now. Um, you know, again, the elected officials will tell you they're working very hard, but they can't give you specifics on, um, you know, a financial resolution for the middle class who pay for everything in Connecticut. I had a woman call me over the weekend. Uh, she was selling her home. The home inspector was there, uh, told her she has this issue, and now she can't sell her home. She has a brain tumor, and her husband was just diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I hear these stories day in and day out um, of people that did everything right for Connecticut, paid their bills, paid their taxes, uh, played by the rules, and now when the middle class needs help from the state of Connecticut, they're turning a blind eye, especially Governor Malloy. You know, Governor Malloy's focused more on his political future in D.C. and has forgotten what he was elected to do in C.T. And, and that's very discouraging and disappointing. Uh, Commissioner Harris is here. He represents the Connecticut uh, Department of Consumer Protection. Um, obviously, Governor Malloy is your boss. I mean, you, you said earlier that you're trying to help these homeowners. Uh, what else is happening uh, moving forward uh, to do that? Well, Governor Malloy has made this a priority of the administration in, uh, in that he engaged immediately, engaged uh, the Department of Consumer Protection, uh, the Attorney General's office, and doing this massive, complex investigation to get to the bottom of of this and even though uh, we communicated that it would be hard to assert a claim under CUTPA the unfair trade practices act and you know even if we could which was unlikely that it would be tough to recover a significant amount of money that investigation uh, had always had another path that we communicated and that's developing the information for solutions to get it right uh, I talked to the governor frequently about this it is without a doubt on his radar, and he assigned Lieutenant Governor Wyman, who he only gives uh, big, important projects to, and who is a neighbor of these people. So it is a focus, but again, I, I don't want to argue that because I totally understand what Tim's saying. He's trying to move it forward. It's, it's a horrible situation, and people do need help now. We need to get it right, and you know, I'm confident that moving forward, we'll be able to develop the facts uh, to help not just the state and not just the local governments and not just like the Capital Region Council of Governments. Uh, Lyle Ray and his crew and other regional uh, bodies have stepped up and are part of the, uh, the, the process to create 
resources, uh, and all of us along with the private sector that has to participate too, uh, I believe will be able to come up with something. But, uh, you know, I, I understand to, it, it's, there's a big need now. We have to move quickly, but in a way that makes sense so that we do it right. You mentioned the private sector. I, I read that four insurance companies come forward to help with some type of voluntary program to provide assistance to homeowners, but a lot more insurance companies need to come forward, don't they, to, to help these people? The more they come forward, the more money they'll be, the better it'll be. And I urge people to call their carriers to to put pressure also on their carriers. It can't just be the state that does it. This is an all-hands-on-deck public-private sector partnership that has to get this done, and it has to get it done as soon as possible uh, and also make sure that we keep our eye on the ball, that this is a problem that's going to be going on for years so that we, uh, that we do it right. I want to take one last call. Sue Ann from Tallinn, you're on Where We Live. Hi, good morning. Tell us about what you're dealing with. Well, we're dealing with the same thing many others are. We bought this home in 2006, and in 2014 I noticed some strange cracking and thought, hmm, that doesn't seem right. And then the news story broke, and I discovered that we, too, had the crumbling concrete foundation. So how are you going to move forward? What are you going to do? Have you mentioned this to your insurance company? Are you sitting back and waiting to see what happens with how the state can help you? We filed a claim with our insurance company, who still hasn't given us an answer. It's been almost a year since we filed the complaint. Uh, on one hand, they tell us they're investigating. On the next, they say it's not covered. We have joined the class action suit at this time. We cannot afford to pay uh, $150,000 to replace the foundation of our home at this time. My husband and I are both retired. We still have a mortgage. And, you know, we love our home. Well, thank you, Sue Ann, for letting us know, um, you know how you're dealing with this. And, and hopefully uh, as we move forward, we're going to hear more from Commissioner Harris and others. Um, I just had one quick question from a, a listener, Commissioner Harris, um, wondering if uh, the, a FEMA could help these homeowners. Uh, FEMA is one path that's being investigated. I should, I should have mentioned that uh, we also have the federal government engaged. Uh, uh, Congressman Courtney uh, has been, you know, his, he lives there. He's at Ground Zero, also elected lieutenant governor. He's been on top of this uh, Representative Larson has been on top of it, uh, Senators Blumenthal and Murphy. They've looked at FEMA. We're trying to gather information because, you know, you need a certain amount of damage on the ground to even have FEMA be able to come in and, and kind of do their analysis. Um, so that's something that's on the table. They're also investigating, and Congressman Courtney and Larson, their staffs, they, they went actually and met with the Ways and Means Committee and got permission uh, to go ahead uh, for their staff to deal with the Eternal Revenue Service because there was a Chinese drywall crisis in Florida that there was a tax credit that was given, so they're looking at that piece of it. Uh, we're also, you know, everybody is studying what happened in Quebec. There are other pieces of literature that are both our scientific investigator, our expert from UConn are looking at. Everyone is trying to turn over every single stone. I would tell this, I mean, I'm really sorry that you and your family are, are facing this. I would urge... Uh, this woman, um, is it Ann? Uh, uh, Sue Ann. Sue Ann, I'm sorry about that. Sue Ann, um, to call the insurance department at 800-203-3447. That's 800-203-3447. Or CI, 
cidca at ct.gov. That's cidca at ct.gov. And report if you're not getting responses from your insurance company. Put the pressure on. Let the insurance commissioner know. And just like she issued that directive, she will help keep these companies in line. Many of them, as you say, are trying to help. There are four larger ones and others that are smaller that are, are trying to come up with a solution. But we all need to work together on this. But right now, uh, just words from the insurance companies. I know people like Jim Williams from Tallinn um, would like to see some financial assistance. Yes, absolutely. The, um, the, you know, even just sitting here talking and listening to Commissioner, we, like he said, like Tim, we thank for his help. He's been at many meetings that I've been to late at night uh, away from his family working on this. Um, but but when I sit here and I just think about how big it is and how mind-boggling, and, you know, once you get into a lawsuit and people have to, keep their 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 mouths shut they can't join in as one voice and and I guess one thing that I want to mention is that if you if you live in a neighborhood and your house has been in built in this time even if you're not affected and even if you didn't have concrete poured by 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 these these folks your your property values are dropping as we speak if you look you'll watch them drop i mean i've watched my house drop from 300,000 you know, to 290, to 275. Now with this problem, where am I at? Now, if you know, and if you think that you're going to get, you know, just roll into your retirement and sell your home and think that that house down the street is not affecting your property value, it is. I want to thank Jim Williams, a homeowner from Tolland. Also, Commissioner Jonathan Harris from Dep- Connecticut's Department of Consumer Protection. On the phone was Willington homeowner and president of Connecticut Coalition Against Crumbling Basements, Tim Heim, and Representative Amen, who represents uh, South Windsor in the Connecticut General Assembly. Obviously an ongoing problem. We're going to check back in a few months. Thank you all for joining Where We Live. Thank you. Thank you. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, Connecticut's Bond Commission has approved more than $2.1 billion in borrowing since January 1st. That's a lot of money. We'll get a primer on bonding with a member of the commission and Connecticut Mirror budget guru, Keith Faniff. He'll explain the role of, of, of bonding and how it actually operates. Today, where we live, we're now turning our attention to the fact that six legislative commissions were consolidated as one of the cost-cutting measures in the $19 billion budget passed in June by the General Assembly. Critics of the move said at the time the proposal, quote, conflates the issues of the diverse groups represented and, quote, would move Connecticut in the wrong direction. While one of the new consolidated commissions is the Commission on the Status of Women, Children, and Seniors. It merges three former groups, the Permanent Commission on the Status of Women, the Children's Commission, and the Aging Commission. Joining me now in studio is Steve Hernandez, Executive Director of this new newly formed Commission on Women, Children, and Seniors. He joins us to talk about the Commission's work. Thank you so much for coming in today, Stephen. Lucy, it's a pleasure to be here. So um, obviously, um, because of the budget crisis, we saw these commissions getting crunched into uh, two specific ones, yours being the Commission on Women, Children, and Seniors. So first off, why do we need these commissions, and what is the work that you do? Absolutely. Well, you know, Lucy, we like to think of ourselves as conveners and strategists on behalf of the legislature, for the legislature, and on behalf of our our, our advocates for these three disparate groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that we found is that the voice of of women, children, and seniors are best represented by the advocates who who are on the ground working on these issues. What we do is we convene those voices and we bring them loudly and clearly to the legislature. We are staff to the legislature, but at the same time, we we care about these issues deeply. 
you know, the commission was built on the pillars of the three former commissions, uh, the Commission on Children, Women, and Seniors, as you said. And our, our work is, is a solemn one. It continues. And, you know, you started by, 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 by hoping that we haven't moved backwards in this work, and I don't think we have. You know, one of the things that we have found in the last few days is coming together uh, as three commissions now into one was a very intentional process uh, in, uh, after, you know, after the legislative, after the legislature decided that they were going to do this. Uh, we had a very intentional convening, and we said, let's come together and see how we can preserve this work and how we can truly continue to support these communities in a meaningful way. And that's what we've done. So um, obviously, again, um, your work as one uh, consolidated commission just began July 1st. But so it seems like it would be challenging to look at the needs of, of women, of children, of seniors, and try to be able to um, you know, do those studies and, and get that information to the General Assembly and others. So how do you do it? Well, I'll tell you, we're not alone. <laughs> I think one of the things that we found in the last few weeks and months that we've been preparing for this launch, and you know, we did launch July 1st, but we had the benefit of several weeks where we've been able to work on, on preparing ourselves for this new reality. And one of the things that we found in meeting with advocates from the different communities is that we are not alone. We do have support, and our future now will be determined by how we forge those partnerships and, and continue them into our new reality. You know, Jillian Gilchrist, who was one of our uh, former PCSW colleagues, uh, is, is one of our champions for anti-trafficking. I know that you had the conversation about trafficking here just a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Jillian will be continuing now uh, in, under her new role as the chair of the Trafficking Council. It's one of those, it's, it's one example of how it is that we are partnering with our partners on the ground to continue the important work of these commissions. So when we look forward, um, you all, obviously your commission also looks at um, seniors. And so what are the biggest concerns that you're hearing from community members, from advocates about the needs of seniors in Connecticut and how you can help them? Sure. Jonathan Steinberg, one of our leaders in the, in the House of Representatives of the legislature, was one of the first to, to actually come to us uh, just a few weeks ago and, and brought to us the voice of the Long-Term Care Advisory Council. It's one of the councils that we have chaired and, and led on uh, as uh, the Commission on Aging for several years now. The Long-Term Care Advisory Council is one of those uh, councils that really brings together the voices of seniors. You know, when you think of elder abuse, economic abuse, uh, the situation of elders aging in place, things that we want to do to keep elders in Connecticut, those are the issues that are at the forefront of the senior community. And uh, Jonathan Steinberg will now be leading the Long-Term Care Advisory Council with us. So it's, it's one of those bright spots where we see we will continue to bring uh, the best practices and the best information for seniors in Connecticut to the legislature. You know, the budget crisis in Connecticut led to these commissions to be consolidated. Um, obviously, Connecticut still has future deficits in front of them. Right. How do you ensure that the needs of these populations that you now represent will be um, addressed in the future? Again, because the legislature is still going to be looking to cut. We're going to still possibly see taxes go up after the November election. I mean, what, what can you tell people who are listening about um, you know, the needs of these populations? I'll tell you, Lucy, what this consolidation showed us is that this legislature cares deeply about these communities. This is a shared pain that we experienced by being consolidated, and it was a very difficult process. But the fact that we're still here and the fact that we were consolidated in a very uh, intentional way shows that the voices of seniors, children, and women are still as relevant to the legislature and to the people of the state of Connecticut as they have been. And how we continue to ensure that these voices come to the floor of the House and the Senate of the, 
of the legislature is that we work with our partners in the legislature who are champions for this work. As I said before, we don't work alone in these issues, and we continue to find our champions in the legislature who will help us move these issues forward. Um, we keep talking about the commission as this um, whole entity, but sure. tell us about your staff. How many people do you have working on these important things? Well, now we have it's a, it's an eight person uh, staff. We are staffed by by eight people. We are we now have seven. We don't have a full complement. We are yet to fill our position for women's advocacy, and we are hoping to fill that position very soon. Um, you know, we have three of the four necessary signatures, and we're very excited to fill that position. I know that um, you know. In order to move forward as a full complement, uh, uh, we have to have that position filled. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Lucy, our staff is staff from our former commissions. You know, there are staff that reapplied for these commissions and and did so because they really cared about the work. These are staff that have years, collective years, of advocating for these communities. And my deepest, deepest respect and appreciation for the staff. I can't even tell you how wonderful they've all been coming together as a staff moving forward. It's been really inspirational for me as their executive director. For our listeners who want to know more about your work, I mean, how do they contact you I mean, if they've got a specific issue? Sure. Our website is up and running. Uh, we also have um, – they can call us directly. Uh, if you look at the Connecticut General Assembly's website, you can reach us at, um, at, at our site there. Mm-hmm. And also uh, you can call us directly at 860-240-1475. And uh, just to play the devil's advocate, some people who may be listening might think, well, do we really need these commissions? We elect uh, legislators to look after our best interests. Is this a waste of money? I'll tell you what. Legislators come together. It's a very difficult job to be a legislator, and it's very difficult, especially because they care deeply about the places that they represent. And they are there tirelessly, and they work and, and they work tirelessly to bring the issues of their constituents to the legislature. What we do is we strategize with them, and we help convene the right advocates and the right voices for them so that, so that we do the groundwork to bring the voices of these communities to the legislature. We allow them to, uh, uh, to do their work in their communities while we help them do the work of the people, the women, children, and seniors of Connecticut up the legislature. I want to thank Stephen Hernandez. We're going to have to leave it there. The time goes fast. Executive Director of Connecticut's newly formed Commission on Women, Children, and Seniors. We'll have more information on our website about the commission. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Lucy. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Tucker Ives. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>